Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now, starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. Ah, yes, and a great start to the weekend. It started yesterday. Thursday's just the second Friday, especially when the Rough Riders play and win. 12-11 over Edmonton. Yes, they did win. They won. Hard to believe when you listen to the call-in show and see all the comments on social media. You think the Riders are 0-4 or 0-5 like Edmonton, but no, they are 3-1, and and I'll get to that in a second. The Sports Cage coming to you live from Curry Field is brought to you by Nelson Home, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. Just looking at the schedule with regards to what I'm going to be doing with the Riders and what these guys are going to be doing, the Red Sox, this will probably be the last time we'll be able to do a Sports Cage from Curry Field this season because uh, they go away on a road trip, and then I'm away... Uh, with uh, riders in BC and then in Halifax with the um, Atlantic Canada game, the touchdown Atlanta game against the uh, Argonauts. And so, just the way it's lining up, playoffs, they got a road trip. We probably won't be here again uh, in terms of the sports, Kate. So, we're happy to be out here. They're taking on the Okotoks Dogs. They've been blitzed two straight games here at home. I believe it was 11 5 against Medicine Hat the other night. And then last night, 10-4 against Okotoks. The dogs are here again. Uh, joining me, as always, the great Sean Kleisinger, who is our producer, backup host here on the Sports Cage, and he's also the great uh, voice here at Curry Field. He'll be here tonight as the public address announcer. Okotoks Dogs, are they the class of the league zinger? Or is it Sylvan Lake? No, it's Okotoks have been for quite some time. Yep. Yeah. It's yeah be, it's, they they draw a lot of great players from down south because of uh, the stadium and the environment that they have. I mean, players want to play in front of a lot of people. They want to play in front of like, like a big league type environment. And that's what Okotoks has. And I'm not comparing it to a big league team, but Okotoks, they have like 4,000 people per game taken in those games. So, of course, they're going to attract a lot of good players, right? So, so basically, they're the Oakland A's. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. They, I think yeah. The last time you talked with Gary Brotzel, like there's been yeah. a few occasions this year that they have outdrew the Oakland A's, which is crazy to think about. But you and I are geeked up, man. We are geeked up because uh, Tony Khan, who is the uh, the founder, the co-owner. And the president of AEW, also a part owner of the Jacksonville Jags. He will join us here coming up uh, at about uh, 10 to 4. And uh, we're going to talk to him about uh, the big event in Regina tomorrow. It's their big, na- like their big live TV event, AEW Collision. First time they've been to Regina. It's Owen Hart. Uh, Foundation Memorial Tournament, the semifinals, and the big match is Samoa Joe against CM Punk. We'll talk to him about that. I'll ask him about the CFL because he does have an, uh, you know, a, a liking for the CFL. He helps scout the CFL for the Jags. But yeah, he's a big wrestling guy, so we'll talk to him. And he has uh, been so gracious, singer, to hook us up with tickets. So me, you, my son, your wife, Luke, his family, we're going to go check this thing out tomorrow. I can't wait. I can't wait for it, man. You see all those semis parked yeah. at, the, uh, at the Brand Center there? I think there's like at least 10 of them. It's going to be crazy. And yeah, like no. you said, there's two big shows, one for eight. AEW is on Wednesday, 
It's called Dynamite and their second show, which is basically like the equivalent to SmackDown, if you want to relate it to the WWE, is on mm. Saturday night. It's a live show, so when people are at the event tomorrow, just think in your minds, hey, this is live television across the world, so it's pretty cool. Yeah, make up your signs, get on yeah. your best uh, wrestling stuff, and go watch some great uh, I'm going to wear a wrestling jacket tomorrow. Awesome. I can't wait to see CM Punk on the mic. That'll be great. Yeah. He's he's great. All right, Mike Pritchard, former NFLer who is uh, with VEASAN in betting. He's going to come talk about some early betting lines in the NFL, and we'll get to NFL talk with him. We're also going to hear from Nathan Rourke, little Jacksonville Jags theme here. He's going to join us after 4.30. Farhan Lalshi, Gary Bratzel. got a couple of Regina Red Sox on set, too, uh, and uh, so much more. But first... We like to do this. It's the Rider Rewind. And after this audio trip down memory lane from yesterday, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, <laughs> Rider fans. Harris drops the pass, looking left all the way. Now back to the right, throws that pass, is caught. Two-handed grab, and it's Kevin Jones skipping through a tackle, and he's finally dragged down. Right, Harris looks that way. Now back to the left, pumps. He's going to take off, and he's going to lose the ball. It's on the ground, and does Edmonton have it? Yes, they do. Trevor Harris fumbles the football and through the back of the end zone. So another punt single for the Edmonton Elks kicker, and it's 3-0 Edmonton with 6.08 to go. Riders first down from their 26 on the right, hash down by a field goal. Harris looking near left side. Harris throws down the seam for Pickton. He's got it! Mitch Pickton to the 45 of Edmonton. Here is Harris dropping a pass, steps up in the pocket. He's going to climb, he's going to throw. That pass is caught, spinning away. He's picked in, down to the 10-yard line. Swipes his leg through the ball and puts it into the northeast end zone. The Rough Riders three, the Elks three. Second and goal from the one he keeps. He'll power to the end zone. Don't see a signal, now I do. Touchdown, Edmonton. Here's a fake handoff, fake reverse, and Harris going down the right side. That is caught! Sam Emelis with a spectacular catch! Here's a second and four. Harris from the 38, fakes a handoff tomorrow, looks right, he's gonna throw up top. Down on the corner, it's caught once again over on the far side! Sean Bain Jr. Harris is gonna throw to the right, wide open! Kendall Watson down the far right sideline! Pushed out of bounds! by Dwayne Thompson the second. Here is Trevor Harris from the shotgun. Takes the snap. Looks right all the way. Going to the end zone. Nobody home. And it's intercepted. That got picked up. Harris rolling to his right. Looking downfield. Looking. Trying to find somebody. Throws to the sidelines. It's caught. And that'll be a first down. Great job by Trevor Harris. Harris takes the shotgun snap from Bandy. Backpedals. Rolls to his right. Looking downfield. Surveying. Surveying. Dodging the rush. He throws down the sidelines. Kevin Jones made the catch. Here's Harris dropping back to pass. Looking left. He's going to run to his left. Trevor Harris will take off. 35, 30, 25 out of bounds on the far side. First down by Trevor Harris. Here's Harris looking left. He's got a man open in the end zone. Touchdown! Saskatchewan! Harris takes the shotgun snap. Looks left all the way. Now right throws. It's caught! The two-point conversion! Kendall Watson! And the driving kicks and Sims back over his head into the end zone. He's oh, got to get it out. He's got to get it out. That's Cornelius throws. That's intercepted. Nick Marshall has done it again. And he's running around. Go down. Go down. 
It's over! There's your knockout in the nick of time! Yes, Nick Marshall seals the game for the second straight game for the Rough Riders. A couple weeks ago was in Calgary in the second mini overtime game, and then that one he jumped the route on Dylan Mitchell. We'll hear from him in a little bit about what he saw in that play. Uh, although Zinger, I'd love for him to get down. Got to get down there. He can't dance around like that. Yeah, I don't know what he was doing there. I, I like you don't need to waste any time because you have three downs to waste that remaining fifteen seconds, whatever it is. Right, just yeah. go down, man. A couple of other observations there. The, the Edmonton Elks are a lot. Better football team than people are giving themselves, you know, giving them credit for. They they have they played well in the O line. They played well in the D line. They showed they wanted to play for Taylor Cornelius. Like I know they're on five, and yes, they're the quote unquote doormats, but they're not that far away. So for anybody to suggest, well, the Riders barely got by the Sad Sack Elks. Record wise, they're Sad Sack, but I don't think they're that bad. Zinger, do you agree with that? No, the Edmonton Elks aren't that bad. I mean, uh, Taylor Cornelius, he was looking. I mean, you, you could tell that, you know, he had a little bit of extra juice in him yesterday because of what happened in the last couple of weeks. But I, I don't I just don't understand why people are so upset about, you know, yes, it was 12, 11. But like for me, I'm just talking for myself. Like I, I love these type of, of wins when my teams, you know, win like this. I get extra amped up when my team wins when maybe they shouldn't have. You know, like I have the opposite. zinger. Zinger, I got, I got to stop you. You're absolutely right, and we need to bring this up. And people can weigh in here, good or bad. Nine three six sixty two sixty two. But to the knuckleheads out there that call in all the time and are grumpy and upset. After we win, listen, I don't know if you need a record book in front of you. If you're a Rough Rider fan, you don't, okay? We have won exactly four Grey Cups in our over 100 years of existence, okay? Four. Four. Last year, Zinger, what was our record? Six and 12. Zinger, last year, similar kind of game, only higher scoring. Didn't Edmonton win that game 26-24? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Taylor Cornelius used his legs then. He went deep to Dylan Mitchell. This time they tried a similar pass down that rider's sideline earlier in the game. Nick Marshall had it covered, whereas last year Marshall got caught peeking into the backfield. Okay, The Rough Riders defense came up big. We're decimated by injuries. We had... We've had three starting offensive linemen and four starting receivers out of the lineup, and we won the game. Last year, we don't win that game, and I can tell you right now for free. Say I'm taking a shot at him, I don't care. If Cody Fajardo's quarterback in that team last night, we're not winning that game. Not a chance. We won that game because Trevor Harris is worth every dime of the $525,000 they're paying that guy. He clunked. So go ahead. No, I was just going to say that drive man needs to be talked about more if it's not already because he that, climbed that the dri- pocket. He climbed the pocket zinger like Philip Rivers. I keep going back to the Charger quarterback, but that guy. I watched enough Charger football to watch him play with guys picked off the street as offensive linemen with 
Dontrell Inman and a bunch of janitors as receivers, and he would get his team consistently in the mix, 9-7, and 10-6, and six, uh, climbing the pocket, taking hits, making plays when he had to, didn't look the prettiest. That's exactly what Trevor Harris did at the end of the game. And might I remind you, on a questionable blocking foul, the Riders had a 108-yard miss field goal called back. Uh, Trevor Harris threw the right pass on that third and goal from the three early in the game, but Tevin Jones got his wires crossed, falls incomplete. I'm not sure what happened on that interception, whether it was a bad play by Trevor or a receiver, but the Riders should have had three touchdowns, Zinger. Like, to me, you knuckleheads that call in or texting saying that the coach should be fired, we can't win with him, we are 3-1. and one. Mm. Tonight, going into tonight's game with... Uh, Calgary, Winnipeg, first, baby. Winnipeg, and BC and Saskatchewan are all tied for first. What do you want? What exactly do you want? Zinger, this team has shown resiliency. And as I said at the start of the year, Trevor Harris gives you a chip, a chair, and a chance. And he showed it yesterday. It wasn't only like climbing the pocket on that last drive, the game or the game tying touchdown there. Like he was like on the run, making throws on the run along the sidelines to like, I think it was MLS, Tevin Jones. Like those are throws that, like you mentioned, Cody Fajardo. Yes, he's a scrambler, but he doesn't make those throws on the run. And even that one uh, scramble that Trevor Harris had going obviously left to right, far side of the field, like Trevor Harris, he was using his leg. He literally put the team on his back that drive, man, and and sing, I don't want to say single handedly like got us in there, but any other quarterback in the league in that drive in that situation, there's probably maybe like one or two quarterbacks that would have done what Trevor Harris did last night in that final drive. Yeah, it's Zach Kalaros, Trevor Harris. And then a big gap for the rest of the quarterbacks. Just based on those type of throws he was making, pinpoint accuracy. Yeah. Like, there's, like, Ryder fans got to think about that. Like, that's something to be happy about. We can't be grumpy about winning by one point. Come on. Now, are there a couple? Now, do we need to tighten up the O line? Yes, but I'm yeah, hoping. With, yeah. I'm uh, hoping chemistry wise, because of the Rolodex injuries, we can figure things out. But like, and it's, we do it's need, early, you know. Let's and, just enjoy the win. But, but I do, I do think Zinger though. There are some concerns. Like we do need to get a pass rush. Our pass rush has been non-existent, and I do agree with Don Hewitt and uh, Luke Molliner. I do think that Anthony Lanier is best served inside. Problem is, outside they're not getting much from Pete Robertson or. Nah. I was uh, just going to say, Jr. where's Pete Robertson at? Like, yeah. remember last year before he got hurt? Like, he was just, like, he was unstoppable. We need that Pete Robertson back. Like, that's yeah. the that's the type of Pete Robertson that Ryder fans come to expect, Man. and we just haven't been seeing it. Now, you don't have to text in and agree with everything we say, but why don't you text in 936-6262, our text line powered by the Capital Auto Group. What would you think of that win, good or bad? Uh, are you feeling pretty good at 3-1, and one, even though it wasn't a Picasso? It was paint-by-numbers, like I said, but there are no... We don't critique wins around here. Okay, we'll get to Leanne on the other side, but uh, first off, we're going to take a break and be back with more here on the Sports Cage for Nelson Holmes on 620 CKRM. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the Sports Cage, right here on the mighty 620 CKRM. 
Welcome back to the Sports Cage Live from Sunny Curry Field, North Regina, Okotoks Dogs, and the Regina Red Sox will square off once again. Okotoks won yesterday 10-4, per uh, first pitch. But let's head out in the Western Pizza Hotline. Get it hot, get it fast. Western Pizza, one of the rider faithful. It's uh, Leanne. Go ahead, Leanne. Hey, Bobby. You and I have had our disagreements, as have many, but I agree with you totally on what you just said. You know, I would take four more wins in a row at 12 and 11 exactly like we got last night any day anytime anywhere if we we have now taken the season series from Edmonton mm-hmm. right and then so if we win next week after cleaning up some stuff we'll take the season series from Calgary I think I think I most fans would take that if you look at it you know a little bit more than oh it was a sloppy game or whatever yeah you know they won and you can't yeah, have, they did. we have yeah. and that people say it's who you beat well we only play who we have on the schedule right well, Leanne, you raise a really good point. How many games has Winnipeg won over this miraculous stretch they've had where when they win, it doesn't look pretty, but people say, hey, good teams find ways to win? Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm just tired of it. Like, we're the only place that criticizes wins. And it's, <laughs> I don't, I don't yeah. get it. I just. It- it's a good point. Hey, and you've watched a lot of football, Ian, so I want to bring, and I don't care if you disagree with me, as long as we're polite, it's all fine. So I want to ask you this. What do you think of Andre Pruel? I didn't like him at the start, but I actually think he's the most consistent ref in the CFL. I think so. And, I mean, that's kind of picking the worst that, or the best <laughs> out of the worst. But, but, I mean, he's got some new crew people on his crew too and people mm-hmm. forget he only makes the how many calls is, is his what yeah. he does yeah. he actually makes what roughing the pass or holding he has yeah. to announce the calls for the other guys on his crew mm-hmm. so it's not all him making calls I just you like know, so I just I, I just like for a French guy, and I'm not saying this derogatory, for a French guy, I know I couldn't do it if I had to do, you know, broken French, be a referee, but for him to stand there, he's actually one of the best at describing what's going on. He's gotten better at it. He used to be kind of a bozo sounding before in my opinion, but he's actually gotten better at it. I uh, yeah, I mean I mean I don't have a problem with him and the thing with the CFL is you know Every team is going to have bad refereeing at one point or another. So it's not like it's unfair towards the riders. It happens all year. And I kind of gave up worrying about the refereeing because it kind of kills the football buzz. You know, you're trying to enjoy the game and it's okay. It's a bad call, whatever. The whole league is going to get bad calls. Leanne, I'm going to ask you one more question, then i got to go. What do you think of the Rouge? I've always liked the Rouge. I've never wanted to get rid of the Rouge. The, a- the AAF or the USFL or the XFL, they're all striving to be unique. And what I can't get about CFL fans, much like you said about the Riders, we're always criticizing, and I've criticized the league, so have you. But this game is the best game played on football turf. we just got to market it better. I love the Rouge. It's unique. Maybe I could go with an argument where if it's a field goal from 35 in, you don't give them a point. But then again, if your offense is driven it all the way down the field to put you in position, you should have some sort of reward. I like the Rouge. How about you? Yeah, I, I do. I totally like it. Now, for punt, maybe, or you sail, anything that goes through the end zone without yeah. hitting the ground, maybe not. Mm-hmm. But if it's lands in the end zone, the guy's got to pick it up. Yeah, you got to keep it because you got to know that rule. Like you watch an NFL game, what mm-hmm. the last two minutes, if it's not close, they're shaking hands already and walking off the field while you're watching the clock turn down. 
Yeah, like, and I think that's another sense. thing. That's another thing, you know, everybody talks about, and no disrespect to Chris Jones, I think he can find talent. I think we saw yesterday he's a, a good defensive mastermind. But everybody talks about how brilliant Chris Jones is. Chris Jones's teams make mistakes like yesterday, where the, the ball goes over the head and C.J. Sims doesn't know what he's doing. Craig Dickinson's teams, at least from my recollection, being the head coach of the Rough Riders, they don't make those kind of mistakes. Now, does Dickinson make some mistakes with clock management and stuff? Absolutely. He'll even admit it. But they're usually buttoned up with regards to the rules and knowing what's going on. Well, doesn't he usually, at the end of practices, they go over the special team stuff, especially mm-hmm. with a lot of the new guys, they cover stuff yep. like that, usually on the day three or whatever it is? Yeah, and he got it from Don Matthews, he said, and that's what kills me because Chris Jones is a disciple of Don Matthews. Don would be rolling over in his grave if he would have saw what happened yesterday. Hey, Leanne, we got to go. Thanks for listening to the show. I hey, appreciate one it. One more point. One yeah, more go point, ahead. Mike. Yeah. Uh, Mitch Picton should be starting over Wieneke every day, any day on any team, and he should be playing slot, not wide side receiver. Hey, thanks for the comment, and I do love Mitch Picton, even though I got some heat for uh, for actually picking him as the game star, which I couldn't believe. Let's head out on the phone line and uh, talk to Leonard. Go ahead, Leonard. Yes, uh, good afternoon. Hi, man. Yeah, well, yeah, the fans are really, they're not impressed with um, Dickerson's um, decision. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that carryover from Calgary, you know, leaving leaving points, you know, I mean, not taking the points when they're available and then subjecting the team to play overtime. You talk about athlete being decimated. When you play extra time, when you play extra overtime, mm-hmm. you're subjecting your athlete to getting hurt even more from decisions that you never make in the game. Like, there was a good game, you know, you know, it was a, we won the game, but when he did not take in the first quarter there, when he chose not to go for those points, I literally want to go out in there and shake him. I mean, we could, have, we could have gone into overtime in that game yesterday just because of him not taking those points. Okay, but let me, stop, let, let me stop you, though, Leonard, okay? And I appreciate the comments, and I get it. It's early in the game. It's not like it's the fourth quarter and you're lined up for a field goal, number one. Number two, number two, the right play was called. Trevor Harris threw it to the right spot. The receiver went the wrong way. Te- Tevin Jones, as I understand, wasn't in the right spot. So that's not Coach Dickinson's fault. That's not Coach Kelly Jeffrey's fault. That's why you coach. That's why you pay these guys. They're professional players. They're supposed to make plays. Let's rewind back to Calgary. You're on the nine-yard line with a chance to finish the game off. You're one yard out. Uh, they got to be a yard off the ball. You're at the nine-yard line. You should be able to make that every day of the week and twice on Sunday. And if you can't, that's not on the coaches. That's on the players. they got to execute. So that I'll stick up for Coach Dickinson because if you make that one, the game is over. If he kicks a field goal there, Calgary's got to take the ball. They run it up to about the 40-yard line, 45-yard line instead of their nine, and they have about the same amount of time, and they go down and score a touchdown, the same people will be calling, and I won't put words in your mouth, Leonard, but the same people will be calling, and they'll be saying this. Why didn't he go for it? Mike O'Shea would have gone for it. Wally Buono would have gone for it. But Michael, 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 listen, if we don't, uh, if we make the playoffs, and if we don't go deep in the playoffs based on one of those inept decisions by Dickerson, he might not not get his contract renewed. 
Yeah, he might you know, not. I mean, I mean, Trevor Harris is a good quarterback. In order to see his, in order to see, in order to see the 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 the, 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 the benefit from Trevor Harris' um, talent, it has to be complemented with solid, sound, common sense coaching decision. It has to be compatible. You can't have this guy like Westgate. Westgate says they should have taken the point because sometimes that alone changed the entire demeanor of the team. I know people are going to say, well, they should be able to get over it. You go to the, the Trevor Harris, they went all the way down and had a chance to get some points and he chose to go for it. And they did. I, I, I guarantee when I'm watching the huddle, Marshall's going to say he should have taken the point. I guarantee, well, I guarantee you that. Yeah, but doesn't matter. Like that doesn't mean what Marshall <laughs> says is gospel, what you say is gospel, well, or what I say well, is gospel. It's, it's just covered. It's just the right decision. You got to be. It, there's a, you see when we, you see that last touchdown, we had to go for the two point. That was you haven't won. Hey, 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 we're late we for a break here. Hey, we're late for a break here, Leonard. Appreciate the call, man, and I do appreciate your opinion. We'll get to well, Kelly on the. Well, thank you. We'll get to Kelly on the other side. Here's the deal: you have one in seven games on home turf. You're trying to set a tone, and you're playing the quote unquote doormats, and you're down on the three yard line, and they made the right call, and the guy didn't execute it. That's not the coach's fault. This is the Sports Cage on six twenty CKRM. And the sports ticker at 335. The sports cage broadcasting live from Curry Field right now, getting set for a big game tonight. The Okotoks Dogs in town. It's the series finale. Okotoks won last night 10 to 4 over the Red Sox. So if you're looking for something to do tonight, hey, take in a ball game at Curry Field. It's a affordable fun for the whole family. Swing on by, say hi to Michael Ball, and uh, let's have a good time tonight. Curry Field. Red Sox hosting the Okotoks Dogs. 7.05 p.m. opening pitch. It's one of the teams our whole country rallies around. The chase for the championship is on. Time for today's Blue Jays reports on the Sports Cage. Alec Manoa set to get the start tonight at Comerica Park in Detroit after his stint in the minors. So we asked the voice of the Blue Jays, Ben Wagner, if this surprises him that Manoa is back up with the big squad so early. I am. Uh, one, I, I don't put as much stock into the pitching line in that Florida Complex League that a lot of people, you know, bristle when they see it. Like, how in the world can this happen? The hits, the, the runs. There are so many things that go into it. There are so many things that develop into a specific outing. You know, and the Blue Jays did not offer us any sort. They didn't make excuses. Absolutely, they did not make excuses for Alec Manoa. Uh, he wants to record outs. But we don't know that, you know, he was working on something mechanically and had to throw or wanted to throw. I mean, it's his career. You know, he, he doesn't have fastball command, and he wants to throw 15 consecutive fastballs. Well, an 18-year-old can figure that out, you know, that he's only throwing heaters. And then he goes up there. I've seen a million of these rehab assignments in A-ball and in AAA, and I've talked to guys as they come back from minor league rehab assignments in the big leagues. They, they have trouble. You know, they've got guys that go up there with not an advanced scout. You're unfamiliar with the player, and the player's unfamiliar with them. They're ripping the snot out of the bat, just trying to do something spectacular for the highlight reel. Uh, again, I downplayed that complexly. More importantly, seeing the video as well from Manoa at A, he got a lot of chases outside the zone that I don't know that he's going to get in the major leagues. It's an innings mark, of course, that is encouraging for Alec. The amount of pitches that he threw, the amount of strikes that he was able to throw, 
those are encouraging. I don't think that that translates, though, to major league success. What we saw, and for weeks now, a month, a month, we've heard it for a month, a player will tell you when he's ready to come back. Well, that might be as simple as the stuff should tell you that the player is ready to come back. I don't know that you put everything in, in the player's lap where all of a sudden Alec Mano wakes up one day and he says, I'm ready for the big leagues today. That is certainly giving Alec Manoa a lot of power in terms of making the decision on where he is to pitch at the next time. I, I hope it goes well. I really do. Uh, I was led to believe for the better part of a week that he was going to get another minor league assignment. They really wanted him to go up to AAA face a larger level of competition as well. But one thing that the Blue Jays were certainly skittish on is the automatic balls and strikes. Mm. And if he were to throw with the ABS system, that could have really given him problems and, and may have not worked in his favor, may have worked as a detractor because That's Alec Manila yep. uses a lot of deception yep. in his pitches and he gets a lot of chase. And if there are challenges and, and, and those things, and those, those things are very real and they exist, and they're why minor league baseball right now is trying to figure out why the game is slowing down with the challenge system is because guys can't throw enough strikes. Yeah. And um, this could have worked against Alec Manoa in this scenario. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the Mighty 620 CKRM. Show is brought to you by Nelson Holmes, live from Curry Field. Got this text from James Hamilton. I ran into several tre- uh, Trevor Harris doubters walking in my walking to my vehicle last night after the game. People have absolutely no idea what happened the last two minutes. Seriously, I'm glad Harris is our quarterback. No kidding, James. Absolutely glad myself. Second best quarterback in the league. Best accuracy, though, in my opinion. Great field, General. Let's head out in the Western Pizza Hotline on this Friday from Curry Field. Say hi to Kelly. Go ahead, Kelly. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Uh, first of all, good call last night, um, my, my, Michael. Cause, yeah, that was tough to call early in the game because it was pretty <laughs> boring. But you you and Luke seem to keep everybody on the edge of our seat. So good call for you guys. Thanks, Kelly. And um, I wanted to circle back. I called in last night and spoke to the team about the Rouge. And I was chatting with my cousin from Sacramento last night. And he was watching the game on CBS. And Mm -hmm. he was quite entertained by the whole deal. And he posed that question, like, what was the guy doing when that ball went over his head at the end? Because that really messed him up because he, he wasn't quite sure what was going on there. But, yeah, the ruse is here to stay. It, uh, and you and I go way, well, I go back farther than you, but I remember the days we were booting the ball into the end zone and booting the ball out of the end zone to get that one point, and that sure made for entertaining football, that's for sure. So, um, oh, yeah. Yeah, ruse, yeah, the ruse is here to stay. So um, It better be. You're, abso- you're absolutely right, Kelly, and uh, keep uh, – Keep bringing more fans to the game. We need people like you to do that. That's the best form of marketing, and hopefully the league can start marketing the best product on a football field. Thanks for your time, Kelly. I appreciate it. Enjoy the weekend, gang. Thanks, man. You too. All right, we're going to take a break. we got a nice interview coming up with Tony Khan of AEW here on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. 
All right. I love this job for so many reasons. You get to meet a whole bunch of interesting and different people, and this guy would be at the top of the list. Tony Khan, you know him from the wrestling world. This guy is the founder, co-owner, president of All Elite Wrestling. Thanks for joining us here on the Western Pizza Hotline on this Friday in the Sports Cage. Uh, I, I'm pulling up to the stadium yesterday for the Rough Rider game against the Elks. I see 12 trailers 12 AEW trailers, Tony, and I'm like, is the is WrestleMania here? Like, what's going on? Well, it is one of the biggest events in all of pro wrestling that is coming to Regina tomorrow night. AEW Saturday Night Collision, and it's the biggest episode ever. We're bringing the Owen Hart Foundation Tournament there to Regina tomorrow night, and the matches in the tournament semifinals, are some of the biggest matches in all of pro wrestling, including the biggest rivalry, the biggest grudge match in the sport, CM Punk versus Samoa Joe. This is going to be so great, and the whole card, top to bottom, is just one of the best TV wrestling events in the whole world. The eyes of the entire world are going to be on Regina tomorrow night, and everybody in the area, anybody around Saskatchewan, you've got to be in Regina tomorrow night for this show. This isn't like one of those little wrestling shows where you come, you think you're going to see the stars, and it's not on TV. This is going to be shown in over 150 countries worldwide, including uh, TSN, and we're going to have all kinds of top wrestling stars at this event. It's going to be a huge deal, and it starts at the top with Samoa Joe versus CM Punk in the Owen Hart Foundation tournament. You know what's interesting, Tony? Uh, the Hart Foundation, the hearts are rolling through here. Back when Stampede Wrestling came with, what, a truck and a trailer for the ring. I think it's appropriate that your first ever event in Regina, in you know the heartland of wrestling in Canada, uh, is you know it has Owen Hart's name attached to it. It's very, very fitting. It's really great that we're able to work with Owen's family, Dr. Martha Hart and their kids, to honor the legacy of the late, great Owen Hart in the way that we believe he would want by bringing the very best professional wrestling to Canada, including right there in Regina tomorrow night for Saturday Night Collision. And like you said, we got 12 TV trucks there setting up. It's going to be a huge deal. The eyes of the world are on Regina tomorrow night. AEW always brings big TV shows. But this one is huge. It's our very biggest. It's going to be an amazing card, and you're going to want to be there. Anybody around Regina, anybody around Saskatchewan, you're going to want to come. And there's going to be people literally flying in from all over the world for this show because it's a destination event coming to Regina tomorrow night with AEW Saturday Night Collision. So, Tony... What got you interested in this wrestling game? I personally want to thank you, and I'm not saying this because you're on the air. I last really was into wrestling, WrestleMania 18, Hogan and The Rock at uh, at Toronto, in Toronto at the Sky Dome then or whatever it is now. Um, and then I kind of got away from it. And then I thought, you know, I'm going to try this AEW, and uh, I love it. Uh, it's, it's high-flying. It's really exciting. What made you want to get into the wrestling world? Well, thank you, Michael. That means a lot to me to hear you say that. And I grew up as a huge wrestling fan. In fact, now this is my first trip ever to Saskatchewan. But I first learned about Saskatchewan as a little kid uh, living in Illinois when Bret Hart won the championship from Ric Flair in Saskatoon 
And then that's how I learned about the great cities, Regina and Saskatoon up here in Saskatchewan. And that's how I learned about Toronto. Like you said, the Sky Dome and wrestling taught me geography. I learned a lot of things from pro wrestling and it's just my favorite thing in the world. And I wanted to get into the pro wrestling business uh, for the fans because really wrestling a few years ago needed a challenger brand and AEW has arrived on the scene and we've become a huge worldwide global powerhouse company in pro wrestling. Like I said, AEW's on in over 150 countries around the world and possibly the best card we've ever put together. And you know, as a fan, Michael, this is the truth. One of the best things I've ever done as a promoter is the event coming tomorrow night to Regina, this Saturday night collision card. It is stacked and it is the talk of pro wrestling and sports right now, uh, this event. And tickets are still available, incredibly enough. You can still come to this show. Tickets are on AEWTIX.com, or you can go through the venue. But there are still tickets, and this is one of those events you're going to want to go to, like the one you mentioned uh, that you remember from – 21 years ago, I was actually at that same show you were at in Toronto, mm-hmm. incredibly enough. And uh, that felt like a destination event. And to me, this feels like a major destination event. And I know a lot of people are traveling there to Regina to see this show. But for anybody listening to this, you're already around there. You don't have to travel. No. So uh, please join us tomorrow night. Well, and it's great because we don't get a uh, we don't get a ton of wrestling events through here anymore, so I, I always uh, encourage people to support that. Uh, I, I've actually, believe it or not, wrestled on a couple of occasions with uh, locally in some uh, fun events here, so it's, uh, I definitely have uh, an appreciation for it, too, and have trummed around a bit with Bret Hart in the past. This is Tony Khan. You know the name from AEW Wrestling. Your favorite wrestler uh, when you were growing up? Chris Jericho is one of my favorite wrestlers growing up and Sting, one of my favorites. Yeah. And now I get to work with both of them in AEW, which is pretty amazing. Uh, we have some of the greatest stars in the world here in this company and we're paying tribute to one of wrestling's greatest stars. Another one of my favorites as a kid, the late great Owen Hart. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can't imagine a better way to pay tribute to Owen than all the great matches in his honor on this great event tomorrow night there in Regina. Now, I don't know, Tony, if it was planned this way or if it just kind of went this way. It feels like CM Punk is equally liked and equally hated. Would I be right when I say that, when I watch these events? It's hard to say. I think in Chicago, CM Punk is a huge fan favorite, and he's the home team. And in a lot of cities we've been traveling I think it's important to note that CM Punk gets huge fan reactions. The fans are very excited to see him. And I get the impression tomorrow night there in Regina, there's going to be a lot of CM Punk fans. And I think there are a lot of CM Punk fans. And this is one of the biggest matches of his entire wrestling career. It's a real dream match that's happening there tomorrow night. So for anybody around Saskatchewan, anybody listening to this that's near Regina, yeah, you're going to want to come to this show because I do feel like this is one of the best events, not only in AEW, but in all of pro wrestling this year. And like you said, there hasn't been a lot of big pro wrestling shows recently around Regina, 
this is certainly the biggest one there in many, many years. And hopefully we'll get a great crowd tomorrow night for the show. But if, if you haven't already bought your tickets, you can still get them at AEWTIX.com. And, uh, you're going to want to see this show, I promise. So, Tony, just a couple more quick questions for you. I know you're a busy guy. Um, in in terms of being a promoter and a guy that runs a wrestling organization, so a show comes to town like this, and like I said, and you you uh, backed it up there with that claim, there haven't been a lot of big shows come through here lately in terms of wrestling. When when you're looking at it, what you know what goes into saying, okay, we'll go back there? Is it just attendance? Is it is it the feel in the building? What is it that makes you want to go back to a location? Uh, those are two of the three major factors. I think attendance and revenue along with the feeling of the building and, uh, how hot the crowd was. And the other thing is financial factors like dealing with the venue. This is a great venue and it's a great market. So that's easy. And, uh, hopefully it'll be a great crowd like I said, right now it's on good pace, but there's still some tickets available. And, uh, I know it's going to be an excited crowd. So I think it bodes well for us to come back, but certainly uh, I would love to have a great crowd tomorrow night and it's our first trip to the market. So it'll be my first chance to really uh, gauge what it's like, but I'm very excited about it. And like I said, it's my first trip to Saskatchewan, but hopefully first of many, for me and for AEW. Well, uh, you uh, don't get a second chance to make a first impression. I know you guys are going to do your best. If I'm coming to an AEW show for the first time, which I am, by the way, tomorrow, what can I expect for a live show from AEW? You can expect the most exciting pro wrestling in the world. You can expect a really fun show. And you can expect that the wrestlers are going to wrestle so hard and they're going to want to make sure you have a great time. And also, we have really fun fans. This is going to be a fun experience. If you go to the show, I promise you're going to make new friends if that's something you're interested in. Uh, there's just a lot of really fun uh, people at these shows. And I am a wrestling fan. And I grew up going to the shows. And then uh, my whole life have gone to wrestling shows. And it's what made me want to start AEW. And it's why I get out of bed and do this every day because I love the fans. And I think just like you and your connection with AEW and our connection with the fans, one of those things, it's like the chicken and the egg. We need each other. Mm -hmm. And just like the wrestling fans need the wrestlers and the wrestlers need the fans. And this is the primary relationship in a lot of our lives. So I think, uh, in, in this case, uh, really important for us to make a great first impression here because like you said regina is a great city there's been a lot of great wrestling there over the years including the stampede wrestling and what the hart family put together and it's why i think it's so fitting that we can come there and work with dr martha hart and the owen hart foundation to put this great owen hart tournament on and the biggest names in wrestling are in the tournament and it's right there tomorrow night with tickets still on sale at aewtix Awesome. You're a master promoter. I love it. Lastly, I know how to sell you some tickets, Tony, okay? Because you're in the heartland of football, like the where you're wrestling. You just look to your left or wherever you're standing, you'll see the big Mosaic Stadium, home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And you told me before we went to air here, you're a CFL guy, of course. The Con family with uh, the Jacksonville Jags, Nathan Rourke, the great Canadian quarterback, goes from the BC Lions, signs with the Jags, and there's no bigger flagship franchise in the C 
CFL than the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And you told me you, you watch the CFL. I do. I do watch the CFL. And one of my good friends uh, won the Great Cup with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Are you familiar with Xavier Fulton? Of course I am. He's a buddy of mine, real good buddy of mine. Moved to Chicago. Yeah, I went to college with him and followed his career closely. And he's my good friend, the X-Men. Uh, we both went to the University of Illinois together. Uh, Xavier Fulton was a left tackle on our Fighting Illini Rose Bowl team, and he was drafted by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and he won the Grey Cup with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And so it turns out we just learned we have a mutual friend. How about that? That's awesome. It's a small world. Once again, Tony, where can they get the tickets to this great event that's going to be coming up here tomorrow night at the Brandt Center? The best event in pro wrestling, the eyes of the pro wrestling world, will be right there in Regina tomorrow night for Saturday night AEW Collision. You can get your tickets right now at AEWTIX.com. You're not going to want to miss this. Please join us tomorrow night for the big Saturday night collision in Regina. Well, Tony, it's been a pleasure talking to you for the first time, and I hope it won't be the last time. I hope we can talk again soon. I'll see you tomorrow night at the show. <laughs> Great. Thanks, Tony. 620 CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. And away we go, hour two live from Curry Field, where the Regina Red Sox are going to take on the Okotoks Dogs. This show is brought to you by Nelson Home, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. Keep the text coming, 936 62 62 powered by the Capital Auto Group and uh, all our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Get it hot, get it fast at Western Pizza. Zinger, I was just looking at the Edmonton Elks schedule. They're 0-5, right? Mm-hmm. No, n- nobody's going to the games as it is. They got to play Hamilton, Winnipeg, BC, Winnipeg. Where do you see a win in the first I don't see games? a win. They're going to be 0-4, and uh, they, they're going to have to make some kind of change because they already don't have people coming, and imagine what would happen if they go 0-4, like 0-9. Yeah. There will be like six people in the crowd, man. Like, I'll come watch on. Vi- I watched Victor Quee, their president, come out of the president's uh, booth there when I was running downstairs to do the postgame show, and he looked like somebody drove over his dog twice. Oh. Crazy. He's got to be sick to his stomach. You can only give away so many free tickets. Uh, but get your tickets tonight. Come watch Regina Red Sox baseball. We've got the Big Apple raffle, too. That's a four-day trip to New York. Get to watch Yankees, Mets, Yankees, Red Sox. And I think, isn't it the Hamilton play on Broadway or something yeah. like that? I know I'm not into arts. I'm not discounting art, but I'm just not in. That's just not my cup of tea. But it could be your significant other's cup of tea. And you get to spend four days in the Big Apple. All right. Uh, Zinger, I'd like you to announce our two guests from the Regina Red Sox since you do this on a regular basis as the public address announcer. So go ahead. Now joining us on the airwaves. Catcher number 16, Christos Stefanos. And number 44, Daniel Crabtree. 
Pretty good. But what, hey, uh, you screwed up. What does Crabtree play? Nobody, like, what does he play? You said catcher. Oh, I never he didn't said give pitcher. him his. Yeah, do it again. All do it right. again. And your starting pitcher tonight for your Regina Red Sox, number 44, Daniel Crabtree. All right, uh, Mr. Crabtree, we'll start with you first. You were on the mound here. What day was it? You went like nine innings here. Tuesday, I believe. Tuesday. And mom and dad came in. Uh, where, uh, now, where's hometown? Uh, Dallas, but just my dad was just here your with dad, my sister. Your yes. dad and sister drove in. Um, <laughs> how long of a drive is that? They flew, actually. Oh, nice! Yeah. They didn't just drive; they no, just flew. I drove. Okay, so I'm making it. I'm making it. You're the you're the you're the tough guy, and they took the pamper yeah, way they, in. So uh, it's pretty cool to pitch in front of family. Yeah, it's uh, usually I don't do the best when they're around, but I guess in Canada it's the opposite. So you went nine. You went. You went seven the last time, and we're Sterling. And I made you my uh, uh, player of the week, and then you ended up going nine this time. Yes, it was same amount of pitches, just a couple more innings. Did you have to argue with your manager or yeah. your coach to stay in? Yeah, they tried giving it away in the ninth after I threw the eighth, and that's just not fair. You can't give me the eighth and not give me the ninth. Yeah. So. Ended up going out there and finishing it, which like, is kind of cool. It's like Daniel, you uh, you bake the cake, but you can't have a piece of it. You're yeah. like, no, damn it, I'm having a piece of that exactly, cake, right? Exactly. So what worked for you? Well, that uh, just, just pounding the zone, getting yeah. outs, keeping yeah. the pitch count low, so that way I could go deep into the game. And happily, my defense made four double plays behind me, which saved me a lot of pitches and a lot of runs. So took away the dub in that game and. Hopefully yeah. we'll win tonight too. Are you uh, are you a ground ball pitcher? Like, do you get a lot of ground balls? Yeah, ground balls, or they or I leave it middle middle, and they hit it very far. So. <laughs> no more, it's one or the other. No happy. Yeah. Was this guy catching for you that yes. night? Yeah, actually, he's caught two of my almost complete games. But yes. So is it good to like I I've never been a big baseball guy in terms of playing like just schoolyard. Is it is there is it good to have a regular guy behind the plate like that? Like kind of like a center quarterback type deal. You definitely have your preference on guys, but when you're up in a league like this, it, it honestly doesn't matter which yeah. guy's behind the plate. Mm-hmm. They all get the job done, mm-hmm. no matter who's on the mound. What's what is he like for for as a catcher? I know he's sitting within punching distance of you, but what's he like as a catcher? Oh, yeah. I love it. He just sticks everything, except for when it's when he knows it's a ball, it's a ball. But if it's anywhere close, he, especially the fastball, he just sticks it. Yeah, and we just. Uh, we get a connection, and we just start rolling. So do you guys ever butt heads? Uh, if I shake off too many times, he yeah. doesn't like that. He just yeah. usually starts giving me the same pitch, yeah. and I keep shaking. AK Christo, so get, we'll let you talk, actually, for a second here. So uh, what's it like being a catcher? Have you always been a catcher? Not my whole life, but for most, I would say, since I was 10. So Your, yeah. whole, your whole life. How old are you? I'm 22. So for most of your life, you've been a catcher? Most, yeah. Yeah, most. yeah. How hard is that on the knees? Not hard yet, but I assume once I get older, it'll start to kind of wear and tear a little bit. So what gravitated you to that? Were you just the best at being, you weren't scared of the batter being in front of you as a little guy, and then it just kind of went from there, or what? Yeah, I also just have a hard time standing still. So I feel like when I'm in that catching spot, I can kind of just, I'm involved in every pitch and every second of the game, so it kind of helps me stay more engaged, and I have a lot more fun doing that. So so what's tell us about the art form in being a catcher and helping a guy like Daniel, like, you know, when he's waving you off or you're trying to, to kind of put him in the direction you want to kind of set the game up. Oh, I mean, you know, I, we have our catchers call the game, and I throw signs down, but honestly, if he shakes, I let him call what he wants to call because I know he's more comfortable mm-hmm. with a certain pitch in a certain situation, and 
the, the the pitchers know like if they shake me off, then it's up to them what they want to throw and for them to execute. And at that point, I know he's also very quick tempo, very efficient pitcher. So I try my best to just stay on that same tempo, so he works a lot better. Do you like guys that are quicker tempo as a pitcher? You tend to, yes, because I mean it helps keep the game a little shorter. Because I mean sometimes when the pitcher takes too long, it's like three three and a half hour games. It kind of Makes it a little harder to catch sometimes because it's a lot of wear and tear on the knees and the physical body. So when a guy's throwing that efficient and that quick and he's getting a lot of outs, it just makes my job a lot easier to be better and more efficient for him in the long run. What's your best attribute as a catcher? I would say, like he said, the receiving. Yeah, I'd like to you say you can frame the ball. Good. Yeah, I'm pretty good blocking. My throws have been have been okay, but I would say yeah, my receiving's been pretty top-notch, I'd say, so far. Yeah, so what's the art form to that? Like, you, I watch the major league guys. It's like they can frame it so a ball, it looks like a strike. Yeah, a lot of it, you try and center your body with the pitch, and you try to just sometimes you stick it where it is because if you try and do too much, the umpires tend to not like it. Mm. Too much movement, they center it to call a ball because they don't like being shown up like that. So mm-hmm. a lot of times you keep it centered with your body, and you just kind of stick it where it is. You let them make the call sometimes, and it works out in your favor. So as a pitcher, I'm sure you appreciate that, right, when they can always make those balls look like strikes. Yeah, it's the best when you hit four balls off and he just sticks it and then he rings the guy up. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's a great feeling. So you got, you, uh, I forget the, what's that, uh, Zinger, what's that What's that uh, golfer with the great stash and the mullet? Cameron Smith, is that who it is? That sounds about right. Cameron, you look like Cameron Smith, Crabtree. Have you always had like this, not when you were a little guy, but how long have you had the stash and kind of the nice flow going there? Believe it or not, I just got the stash. I've always had it, but it's always been blonde, so you can't see it. Yeah. And I put some... Uh, like eyebrow, <laughs> di- eyebrow dye in it. Really? I, now it's dark enough to where you can see it. But I've always had this mullet type of haircut. So, so what, just so, for men, just for men. Yeah, dude. it's just for men. Yeah. Just for men. Yeah. Definitely didn't steal it out of my mom's. I was gonna say, where do you would you go to like Shoppers Drug Mart and say I'd like some eyebrow stuff or what? Did you... I, I did it in my mom's bathroom before I came up here. <laughs> that is hilarious. Yeah. That is awesome. And I bring that up because look at this dude. Hey, he's all tanned oh, up. Man. He's yes. just looking good. Like, are are you having to hold the Ladies off with a stick here in Regina, Christos. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He looks like uh, Zinger. He looks like Cristiano Ronaldo. Is yeah, that he a, does. He, oh, that's that's a little of a stretch, but <laughs> I appreciate yeah. a few that. a few dollars short of that. <laughs> so, where are you playing your college ball? Colorado Mesa University. It's in Grand Junction, Colorado, kind of on the west end of Colorado. Okay. And how did you find your way up here to Regina? Uh, our recruiting guy, Rye, he yeah. uh, made a call to our head coach saying, hey, I would like a catcher if you have any catchers to send up. And our coach immediately came to me and said, hey, uh, they got a spot for catching. Mm-hmm. You want to go up and do it? I said, yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, I've never been to Canada, yeah. so I wanted to experience it. What do you think time. of it? You're from, you're from just north, like the Long Beach area, California. What's it like coming here to a smaller place like this? It's definitely a little different, a lot more green, a lot more spaces out here. Weather's definitely different, too. Because yeah. in California, it's, you know, that same 75 sunny every day. But yeah. I like it. It's a good change. I like the experience. It's all, it's all very nice. It's a very good atmosphere, too. You know, you picked a weird time to come because normally we get rain in June or it's windy, and it hasn't been. It's been windy, but not as windy as it normally. It's a lot more calm days, so you picked a, yeah, a yeah. great uh, summer to come. How long <laughs> do you got to go yet in college? 
Uh, one more year, yeah. at least, yeah. And what I, are you studying in college? Business management. Okay, so you want to get into the sports side eventually, maybe, or something like that? Maybe, yeah. I've, I've thought about either doing management for retail, restaurants, yeah. Yeah. warehouse, something like that. But even on the business, like as far as baseball, yeah, I could do that too. How do you uh, how do you like playing here in this kind of, uh, We I always say it's a dumpy stadium, but it's our <laughs> dumpy stadium. I don't consider it dumpy. I think it's, I would consider it a little more old-fashioned, as if you want to put it that way. It's pretty nice. Yeah, I like it. Did you notice? Well. Did you notice the rider effect yesterday, Daniel? Like we usually, you you've been averaging about eight hundred to a thousand fans. What was the crowd like yesterday? <laughs> about half. <laughs> <laughs> you guys got to try to find your way to a rider game before uh, before you jet out. When, so when will you jet out before the season's done? Because like, this is the weird no. thing about this league. Some guys leave before the season's done, right? I know you lost a lot of players last year, right in the playoff race there. So you weren't here, but you'll be here right till the end of the year? Yeah. Yeah, I don't plan on leaving unless my head coach at my college says, hey, I need you to come out now, but I don't plan on that happening. So I plan to just stay until the season's over. So forgive me, Daniel. What do you got? What's your uh, life outside of this looking like in terms of baseball? You told me, but it slipped my mind. About the same thing, business management, and then probably coming back around the sport. Yeah. Carry on. Yeah, don't know exactly what I'm gonna yep. do, but something along the lines of baseball. So uh, last couple of games, you guys got roughed up. Medicine had 11-5, and then yesterday 10-5. Okotoks, uh, they're a big challenge. What do you guys got to do tonight to beat Okotoks? You gonna be behind the plate? Uh, I don't know. I don't, don't think so. I no. think it's ja- I think it's like Jackie or Easton's turn to catch. Okay. That's okay. usually how we rotate. Okay. So but, um, what what do you got to do to win uh, this game against Okotoks? I mean, definitely not strike out as much. Yeah. <laughs> if you look yeah. at the score, I mean yeah. that was. It was a rough one hitting wise yesterday, and yeah. especially I think defense too needed to pick up yeah. Trevor because I think Trevor did a really good job yesterday getting a lot of ground balls. Mm. We just didn't really make the plays we needed to to help him out, so mm. made it a little harder on him to be able to pitch efficiently too. And Daniel, do you get the pitch again? Your your dad and your sister. What's your sister's name? Samantha. And dad? Ian. Ian. Does he have the mullet and the no, mustache uh, like you? Know? Not quite. He's not... bald and British. So. <laughs> bald and British. Yeah. I love. <laughs> what's your mom's name? Lucy. Lucy, okay. Yes. Balded British. I love it. So do you get the pitch again before uh, your family goes home? Yeah, I'll throw one inning Sunday and then hopefully start Tuesday. So out of the pen for, for one, one inning? One inning for them right before they leave. Awesome, man. That's great. I love you guys coming by. Nice to see you. Very nice um, to see you, too. Uh, nice yeah. to meet you. Nice and, to meet you. Uh, Great job on the mound, man. So it's awesome. That's Daniel. Hey, Zinger, send them off and run, because I sound like a 13-year-old <laughs> in puberty. So why don't you send these guys off appropriately, oh, okay, Zinger? Big thank you to Christos, Stefanos, and Daniel Crabtree. Thanks. Time now for the Cage Clutch Performer on 620 CKRM. Marshall has done it again, and he's running around. Go down, go down. It's over. There's your knockout in the nick of time. Nick Marshall for the second game in the row seals it for your Saskatchewan Rough Riders with a big interception. So no doubt Nick Marshall is your Nick Service clutch performer. Nick Service in Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson, Challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fan Dealer. Give them a call at 781-1077. The Kings of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Welcome back. Show brought to you by Nelson Holmes. 
supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. Got this text on the Capital Auto Group text line at 936-6262. It's Brian from Florida. Two character wins in a row is massive. You can't coach character. I used to uh, like the Rouge. Now I absolutely love the Rouge. Absolutely. Asking you if you like the Rouge or not. I People want to get rid of it, like Milt Stiegel. Come on, Turtle Man. You got to... It's been around forever. We want to increase scoring, yet we want to get rid of the Rouge. Doesn't make a lot of sense. Connie Cooks Creek. Hey, guys, how can a quarterback be past the line of scrimmage when he releases the ball? I always remember this rule differently, and it's okay, but a player's in the field of play and bats the ball out of bounds, not having control, but last touch it be called out because he lands out of bounds. Uh, so, the one from last night, Connie, his back foot was not over the line. So he wasn't totally over the line. His front foot was over, but his back wasn't. It's a rule change, I guess. They made it last year, and so he was deemed to be legal on that throw. Mm. So, there you go. Uh, it's the same fun. thing in the National Football League. Like, the quarterback's yeah. whole body needs to be over the line of scrimmage. So, it's like, I, I don't see what... Uh fans are freaking out about but that's I couldn't really me. tell look like uh, when I saw it on my monitor in the booth there uh, it looked like it was uh, over the line but hey they used the command center review and got it right and then Nick Marshall made it right by slamming the door shut as you heard there in our Nick service clutch performance all right after the game Daniela Ponticelli caught up with Kendall Watson who got the two-point conversion to tie it when you guys had to fight for it what a grind all down to the last minutes. What is your takeaway from tonight's game? Uh, we just have a very resilient team, an experienced team. We never quit. We never gave up the entire time. And so for us to come out here and win this game uh, says a lot about the character of our guys. It was a hard first half, slow second, but what was set in the locker room to get you guys ready to come out with a win like this? Uh, we knew that we were right there uh, on, the, on the verge of getting the scores that we needed and having the plays that we needed. We just knew we had to stay at it and just stay persistent, and we knew it would come eventually, and it did. So, it Three and one, congratulations. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Our defensive game star was Nick Marshall. Second straight game. He sealed it with a game-clinching interception. Appreciate you. So let's talk about it, man. What did you see on that game-ending play? Um, I was just um, at the end of the game. I just seen 17 Mitchell. I seen him looking toward the sideline, and my film study that I had on him. I just seen him fidgeting his gloves every time he was getting the ball, and I was able to capitalize at the end of the game once they made that throw at me. Did the coaches get on you for running around at the end there, you Auburn legend, you? <laughs> Nah, it was just at the time I was just trying to put some more points on the um, on the board for the defense. But at the end of the um, at the end of the day, I had to get on and do what's right for the team. You know what, man? Two interceptions in back-to-back weeks where you come up big. Just talk about your mentality playing on the corner because you take some chances and get beat, but it never seems to phase you. You you come back and make a play. Um, that's just the mentality that I always have. I, I gained that um, mentality from being on the offense side of the ball, and then just bring the same mentality on the defense side of the ball. And then it's just I don't. Um, I have a short-term memory of defense back because um, only time I gamble is just like I have a good instinct of what they might run, but they probably been to change it up. So I just keep my head down, short-term memory, just keep playing ball. Folks, this guy here, Nick Marshall, is a legend at Auburn. Like, I'm talking a true legend. He could go there and never pay for anything at Auburn. That's how that's how great this guy is. <laughs> you were a quarterback. Just talk. When did you know you were the best athlete on any field you're on? Because to go from quarterback 
to defensive back in the CFL. I don't think we talk about that enough. Um, it's just it's, it's something I've been doing since I was a kid. Like in high school, I started quarterback and defensive back, like both sides of the ball. Like, and it's just something that I just felt like I had a natural ability for. Like, if they didn't want to give me a chance at quarterback, I always knew that I had a secondary position playing defensive back, and then it just like I just kept going from there. Like, I'm not the guy that really want to sit on the bench, so I'm gonna do whatever it takes to get on the field. Nick, leadership-wise, you got some young guys there now that have a ton of talent, right, that uh, don't have necessarily have the IQ. In those big-game moments, right, this is the second time you've slammed the door shut on a team with an interception. In those big-game moments, man, how do you, how, what, are you, what are you telling those younger guys in, in the crunch time? Um, just from um, me being a um, vet, veteran in this group and um, seeing the younger guys come along, is is I try to help them out more as I can. It's where, like, if I see a, um, a formation to where I know they might get the ball thrown out of my, I just alert them, like the play before, just let them know that they hot or whatnot. But the younger guys that we got in this group, like, they, they come in every day working, ready to learn, and like, I love that. So it just gives me a, um, a great vibe in the defensive back room. Hey, and Nick, uh, we'll let you go on this one, but I got to ask you this question. You, you seem to play, like you're, you're full of confidence, but you seem to be even more confident right now at this point in your career. And I watched the game today. You made the great interception. You made the great interception last week to win the game, kind of on a boneheaded throw by the Calgary quarterback. A couple of key tackles, too. But yeah. today, man, you laid the wood on Kyron Moore, and then I think your biggest play was that open field tackle on Mitchell. If he breaks out one at the 20, it's a touchdown. Are you, do you feel you're playing? This is the highest confidence you play with? Um, it was just um, the day I came into this game, like, very confident, and it was something I wanted to work on with my game and just the tackling and then just not really giving up that big play, just stay locked in. Because some teams try to lure me to sleep where I don't get that many balls thrown at me and just try to take a shot. But I just was locked in the whole game was able to make plays all over the field. That's Nick Marshall in conversation with us, our D game star from yesterday. Hey, want to give a little mention here to Len Anthony. I had coffee with him the other day at the RMF office with my son, Ethan. And uh, what a great storyteller. What a great life story that guy has. And, man, has he ever done lots for kids like my son and other kids, not only in the RMF but in high school and, of course, in our community as a longtime firefighter. So, Len, thanks for that. And also, longtime spotter for the CBC and TSN for CFL football. He said... Um, Taylor Cornelius, in his opinion, was behind the 30-yard line where they started on first down, but they lost the yard, and the line of scrimmage was the 29. So he thinks they were wrong and that Cornelius was over the line of scrimmage, but uh, nevertheless, they let that pass uh, be upheld. Uh, and it, it, it's right the script because if you remember last year, Cornelius got the ball whacked out of his hands at the goal line on a one-yard plunge for a touchdown. The Riders thought it was a fumble. The league said no, it was a touchdown. And then they called the Riders a day later to apologize to Craig Dickinson and say they were wrong. So thank goodness it wasn't yeah. a repeat performance. Well, the, the one thing, case. like on the TV copy when I was uh, watching it on the monitor, they weren't showing where the line of scrimmage was. Like They weren't showing if it was the 29 or the 30. So I was yeah. like kind of sitting there wondering, okay, but yeah. where's the actual line of scrimmage? So, yeah, and let's be honest, the, the CFL doesn't have NFL money, so they got what, like three cameras and a bunch of iPhones yeah. <laughs> for their angles. Anyway, we're going to take a break. Be back with Nathan Rourke and the Jacksonville Jags. You're listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. 
All right, your sports ticker at 434 is for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. All you have to do is give them a call at 781-2090. And all the Blue Jays have to do for Blue Jay fans to be happy is win this series coming up here versus the Detroit Tigers. Alec Manoa is on the hill tonight for the Blue Jays for the first time since his uh, I was going to say rehab stint. It wasn't a rehab stint. It was like a get well stint. Work on your mechanics, my friend, and come back with the big squad and be like your old self. Alec Manoa is on the hill tonight for the Toronto Blue Jays. And going into play tonight, the Toronto Blue Jays are tied with the New York Yankees for that last wild card spot in the American League. So this is a big series for Toronto going into the All-Star break. The Sports Cage is your voice for football, not only in the province, but around Canada. This is the Sports Cage CFL Report, a look at what's happening in our three-down game. Let's go, spread leg fakes beer, play pass, 16 counter ZD bang. Pull back west right, zoom, pull back left, pass half back at zero, Z quick swing left, on one, right CFL report brought to you by Kevin's Marine. Make the most of summer with a boat or pontoon from Kevin's Marine. Check them out in Fort Capel or online at kevinsmarine.com. What a game yesterday for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. It was ugly for most of it, but it's a 57 and then a three-minute game in the CFL. As you know, the Riders get a late touchdown from Mitch Pickton on a quick out on the far side of the field. A two-point conversion, Harris to Kendall Watson. Then Brett Lothar sails a kick deep into the Edmonton end zone. C.J. Sims either doesn't know the rules or has a brain cramp, goes down on one knee to give up the decisive 12th point. Riders win it 12-11. Here's Mitch Pickton talking about his touchdown. Yeah, it was a play that we have uh, we actually hit in practice uh, earlier in the week, so uh, yeah, we were pretty familiar with it and then kind of got the right look for it and uh, turned in just a kind of a race to that front pylon and Trev put the ball right on the money and, and we were able to make it happen. Tough is it to be on the sidelines this year and not start and maybe not get the snaps you want how do you how do you stay into the game hey it's just about being a pro right uh your number's not always going to get called um and if the team needs me to be on the sidelines backing up guys and, and playing specials at times then uh then i'm happy to do that as long as their team's finding wins uh there's no complaints from 81 where's this resiliency coming from this year where a game like that would go the other way last year and many of them did why is it going in your favor like it did the last two weeks I think it's just a lot of guys that believe in each other, to be honest with you. Uh, we have an incredible room this year. Uh, this is probably the tightest room that I've ever been a part of. So uh, defense never lost faith in us. Uh, the offense, we were just saying, stick with it. It's going to happen for us, and uh, we were able to make it happen. You know, need it at the end, and we were able to get it. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage here on 620 CKRM, brought to you by Nelson Holmes. Flying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. Trying to get a hold of Nathan Rourke. I hope he's back in BC. I thought he was, so I had told him we'd go with the uh, BC time, but uh, maybe he's in Florida and we got the times mixed up. That would be on me, but we'll try to get a hold of him. But while we try to hunt down the former great BC Lions quarterback now with the Jacksonville Jags, just got through a mini camp with them. Let's hear from Riders head coach Craig Dickinson following their come from behind wacky 12-11 low scoring win over Edmonton last night. No doubt, we don't we don't apologize for winning, and 
you know, there's a lot to learn from from that game. But the one thing, I'll tell you what, our guys stayed together. They just kept working. And uh, good things happen when you work hard. And we, we were fortunate there. Yeah, Coach, uh, that's something we talked about. At times it was an ugly game, but at the end, uh, your team, and that's been a characteristic all season long, showing resiliency. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. And, and we were tested today for sure. I mean, we, we could have gone sideways. Or there could have been some bickering on the sideline, and, and there was none of that. Guys just kept kept working and encouraging each other, and I felt like the, uh, the sideline was excellent for a game where it could have been less than ideal. Coach, I, I, I don't want you to speak on Edmonton, but I want you to talk about what you do in this situation. It looks like Sims, their young rookie guy, didn't know exactly what he was doing in the end zone there. What is the protocol with you and Kent Majuri and something like that? Do you call the yeah, guy over? How does that work? You know, it's tough because it's happening fast. It's not like you got five minutes to talk to him. So you just got to let him know what the score is. And, excuse me, let him know, you know, at this point we don't want to give up a single. Yeah. And, um, you know, I feel I feel for the young man. I know he feels bad about it, and I'm, I'm sure they'll make the correction. But um, that's the CFL, you know, and that's why you got to coach those situations up really hard and, and hope that the player back there is experienced enough and has enough games under his belt to know it. Hey, Coach, so I, I want to compare last year to this year. You know, one of the things I really feel like in a game like this last year, I really feel like you guys get hurt by some sort of penalty, some sort of drive. This year, I remember specifically asking you in training camp, like, how do you get over the penalty issues? That, and you said, hey, we got to bake it into our culture. Today, I mean, it was, it was a relatively clean game. Talk about how far you guys have come and what it's taken to get to the point where flags aren't something that you're necessarily worried about in big situations. Yeah, it's, it's a work in progress, Luke, and I know when I told you, uh, that's going to be my main mandate this year as, as the head coach is I'm going to make sure we play smart and we play together and we uh, we improve in our football IQ on a daily basis. So we've really just baked that in by, by showing penalties, asking guys to explain why it was called, to know what the standard is, and then to say, okay, next time out there, what are you going to do differently to make sure it doesn't get called? Now, I felt like today we took a, a little step back with a couple of penalties. One cost us a touchdown in the field goal return. Right. But I think in the, in the crunch time near the end there, I wasn't worried about a guy doing something out of, out of character and, and losing his composure. I think our composure's gotten better. Coach, maybe it's too early to ask you this, but I am going to ask you because you're the head coach. I know you're not the OC. But what happened on the two plays? Okay, third and goal from the three. It looked like the right play was dialed up, but maybe the receiver was out of sync. And then what happened with you the know, interception yeah. in the end zone? I don't know. I don't know on the interception. I'll have to talk with Kelly. But I know on that third and goal uh, from the three, I think the, re the receiver had the ability to go in or out based on the leverage of the defender, but they clamped him. So I think that's why it, was, that why it looked a little bit sloppy there. So I'll talk with Kelly about that. I know, I know the offense feels like they left a lot of plays out there, and I think we're going to improve. We're going to need to improve because uh, we'll have to play better moving forward. Hey, Coach, Luke talked about this. What a scrappy offensive line. Logan Bandy comes in because, you know, well, he had the injury to Godber, and the reps he had last year serves him well, I think. Council did a great job at left tackle. Colin Kelly was a nice add, and I think your two Canadian guys really have stepped up their game in uh, Evan Johnson and uh, Logan Furland. I agree. I think that offensive line is playing well, and, and we're going to need them to if we expect to win more games this year. They're, they're a good bunch. They love, love football. It's a really tight-knit group. I think Coach Vitale's done a great job with them.
but we're going to keep we got to keep getting better and that's uh, that's going to be the message moving forward coach Mitch Picton talk a little bit about just sort of the resiliency he always shows and, and he's one of those guys coach we talk about windows of opportunity it just seems like whenever you guys call his name not only does he come up and make a play he makes big plays yeah he had a great game again didn't he I mean made some big catches every every ball thrown to him he caught he's he's a good one I mean uh I can't say enough good things about Pick. He's he's a glue guy. What I mean by that is he he keeps people together, and when his number's called, he makes plays. Re- really proud of the game he had tonight. Coach, I want to give you credit. Uh, other coaches may not have re-signed Nick Marshall after a little bit of uh, I will, for lack of a better way of putting it, a little miscommunication last year in that tough year where you know you said one thing and he thought you were saying something else behind the locker room door but you were one of the first guys to say no we got to re-sign this guy and man has he come up with two big plays in back-to-back weeks he has i mean he he's a dangerous player he's just one of those guys he sometimes is a little bit reckless he takes some chances you don't like but at the same time man when he gets his hands on the ball he does make a lot of plays so I wish he would have slid a little sooner. He said he was trying to run some clock off there at the end, but isn't that a big play <laughs> yeah, right. to, yeah, yeah. to seal the game? Hey, uh, and one thing I do want to it's not all chips and gum. What about the pass rush? You guys had five sacks at the start of the year in the first game and haven't got to the quarterback since. Now, granted, sacks, sometimes you get too wrapped up in sacks, but any concern about the pressure you're getting on quarterbacks? No, we'll keep working. I mean, I, I think we got to just keep working on our – our moves, you know, I feel like we sometimes run down the middle of guys, and I, I know Coach Dell's going to work on that with the, with his group. But the the thing that teams are doing, and I thought Edmonton, you got to give them credit tonight. They did a great job of keeping it simple, running the ball on first down, getting the ball out of the quarterback's hands quickly. And then when when Cornelius, you know, when he he starts moving, he's slippery as can be now. So that was, you know, I think I think more credit needs to go to Edmonton's. Uh, offensive scheme and what quarterbacks are doing than then maybe necessarily that we aren't we aren't doing a good job on the d-line because i think our d-line is going to be one of the strengths of our team when it's all said and done i gotta get one more in here trevor harris man that's why you got him that last drive yeah when the chips were down he made plays didn't he yeah. um and, and and he was in the locker room talking to the team as as a leader should and, and really really thanking the defense for having the offenses back and keeping it low scoring and giving us a chance at the end to win it Hey, it was throwback night, and you threw it back to a, a W in the win column, so congratulations, man. Yeah, thank you. Proud of the guys. It was a good win. Appreciate and, and, it. And appreciate the fans being loud and making it tough on the other guys. Yeah, they were loud as the Rough Riders went on to win 12-11 before round announced crowd of 27,000. I don't know if there were 27,000 there, but there were over 22 probably for sure. And uh, they were loud and in the end happy the Rough Riders would win the game. We'll talk about that. People still a little dissatisfied even though they won 12-11 and are still... 3-1 and one and then tied for first place going into tonight's action. We'll talk about tonight's action, the rest of the games in the CFL this week. And I got a question for Zinger and for you out there as well. Uh, this is the Sports Cage from Curry Field for Nelson Holmes on 620 CKRM. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sports Cage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Welcome back, Sunny. Regina, North Regina, getting set for a matchup between the Okotoks Dogs and the Regina Red Sox. They won last night at Okotoks here, 10-4. Uh, they're the juggernauts of the WCBL, but the Regina Red Sox, you know, are going to put in a scrappy effort. 7 5 first pitch 
Um, so come on down and uh, take it in. Our own Sean Kleisiger will be the public address announcer, as he always is, for these home games, unless there's a rider game. Tell you what, it's strange not to watch this guy play in the summer months here in Canada. We didn't have him for long. He was like a shooting star. He's landed in the NFL, but he's landed on the Western Pizza Hotline. His name is Nathan Rourke, one of my favorite guys to talk to. Hi, Nathan. Thanks for joining me. Hey, Michael. Thanks for having me on. Awesome, man. Does it feel weird for you not to be playing meaningful football this time of year? Uh, I feel it's, it's definitely strange to, to not be a part of it. I, I, I'm watching the, the games, and um, and it's, it, it's, it's tough to watch. It's such an exciting game, and, and you love to be a part of it. You miss the fans, miss the game. And um, I, I think in a, a month or so when, when training camp starts, I think be right back at it and uh, be around football again. That, that'll be good. But for for now, it's kind of a very unusual feeling that I'm uh, I'm under right now. Your old teammate and friend uh, Vernon Adams Jr. had a tough outing the other day. Six interceptions, one pick six, but they still almost won the game. Uh, you know they were in it till that pick six. Did you have you talked to him? Did you talk to him about that? Or what, what are your thoughts just being in that fraternity that is quarterbacks when you see your buddy going through something like that? Yeah, I don't think anyone in the building is panicked. You know, I, I think, like you said, they, you know, they were in it until that that last pick six, and I think the the, the rest of the the phases of the, the team played well. And I think that you know, I think with the the, the length of the the CFL season, it's it's bound to happen at some point where you have an off day. And you know, VA is a guy that you know that has some games where um, he. he he's up and down but he always finds a way to bounce back and he's shown that in the past and i think everyone in the in the building has tremendous amount of faith in him and that he'll just do that do just that this sunday against montreal and um uh, i'm sure that uh, the team knowing the way that they started this season knows that they can return to that and it's just them up in a road again they played a really good team in toronto and uh, a team that you know is a is a contender in the east and a contender to win it all again and and i think that they're they're feeling just fine this early in the season you know, I love the fact that you're just a stand-up dude and you haven't forgot what helped you get to where you are with Jackson. We'll get to that in a second. But, like, the CFL, you went down to the NFL and they want to make you a receiver. You came back here. You showed everybody you can play. Now you got a chance to live out a dream in the NFL. But your appreciation for Canada and the CFL remains strong. I like that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm never going to forget the uh you know where where he came from. You know, I I just like the you know I've got an appreciation for anyone who comes through the the junior college or the community college route, uh, which I did. And when I went to Fort Scott Community College, and I know a bunch of guys that are you know and teammates of mine, both in the Lions and, and with the Jags, and that went that route. And you just kind of have an understanding of of, of uh, you know similarities in your journey and the things that you had to go through. I think it's very similar to go to uh, go and play in the CFL. And I know hey, there's a teammate of mine played with Winnipeg in 2019 and you kind of be able to talk about the fans and how much you appreciate the game and all that kind of stuff and so I think you definitely have to you know appreciate where you've been and and every type of learning opportunity you get from each from each stop so Nathan you were down at a mini camp there with the Jags just tell us how it went for you didn't you know you got a lot of reps a lot of meaningful reps I'm uh, I'm assuming yeah I mean it was it was definitely a great learning experience overall. The entire off-season program was great, um, specifically that that mini camp. Uh, you know, they only had uh, the the younger players and some guys that hadn't shown up for the the rest of the off-season program, and um, they sent a lot of guys home. So I was able to get 
I was, only, I was able to be the only quarterback there and get a lot of the reps and, and really uh, kind of feel like I was getting into a rhythm out there and, and make some mistakes with putting on film. But also I think I put my best foot forward and was getting better as, as the camp went on. So it was only three days, but I, I really do appreciate the um, the opportunity that I that I had, and I'm, I'm grateful that they did it that way. And I think it's it just uh, bodes well uh, for the future, and I'm looking forward to getting back after in training camp. Did you have to get uh, used to throwing a different ball once again? Like, I know you played with the American College ball, and then my son and I were just throwing it around up here in Canada. He plays American College ball. It's a smaller ball. Throwing a youth sports ball around, he's like, oh, this is a little fatter, and you have a fatter ball when you're a Canadian Football League quarterback. Did you have to get used to that, Nathan, again? No, you know, I think that the, for me, the biggest difference, Michael, was the it was just the size of the field. I think, um, I think the, the, you forget how small the American football field is in comparison to the CFL game, and you know, just as a quarterback, being able to see, you know, every, every defender in the in your peripherals at the very least, and um, understanding that field that you know throws feel a lot shorter, and that you can take something off of it, you don't have to rip rip it out there all the time. I, and uh, I think that, you know, the windows uh, become a little bit smaller um, down south. And I think that's something you have to take into account as a as a quarterback. And uh, that's been, I think, the biggest adjustment uh, going back to the NFL. Do you feel like you have a legitimate shot now that the NFL's added three quarterbacks to the roster, a legitimate good opportunity to stick around there, Nathan? I, I think it definitely is a, it's a good thing for someone in my position. I think that... Um, I think the, the clubs will be, you know, including the Jags, will be more uh, inclined to keep a third quarterback on the roster just because you never know, right? And uh, obviously, you know, situations around the league with the Niners last year uh, in the playoff game, you know, no one really wants that to happen to their club. And so I think that having a third quarterback, and even though the Jags only carried two last year, but as long as it doesn't go against the active number, I think that's a good thing. And I think that I think every club, including Jacksonville, would take advantage of it, and uh, I think that's I think it's just, just good for for someone in my situation who's not going to be you know super expensive for the, for the team, and and I can go in there and learn, and, and then you know you never know what happens, and and that's I think the biggest thing, one of the things that contributed to making the decision to come down to the NFL is that you just never know things crazier things have happened, and and hopefully you get an opportunity that way. Lastly, we've got about a minute left. I wanted to ask you this. The Rouge has been on everybody's mind after the Riders won with the Rouge yesterday, and Edmonton got through. There was like five Rouges in the game. Just your thoughts on that. I love that part of the game. Do you think it should stay in our game here in Canada? Yeah, I've always I've always been an advocate for it. I, I always love the special teams rules. I, I, have a, I get a big kick out of explaining it to the Americans who have never been exposed to the game before. <laughs> and uh, the fact that you know, the five yards and the fact that we, we really lean into our special teams um, and loving returns and stuff like that. I mean, you've got a great one there in Saskatchewan um, who, who, who really benefits, I think, to, to being able to return a, a, um, you know, a, a punt every single time, every single time he gets it, unless it's out of bounds, of course. And, uh, you know, I think that's something that makes the game unique. You know, the NFL seems to be getting away from special teams, and the CFL keeps on trying to make it a, a big part of the game. And I think that's that's good. And I think that the Rouge is just one of those things that, um, is certainly wacky, but it's a part of the game, and I, I think it's it's it certainly changes the, your your mindset, you know, going into a tie game or or if you're down by one, um, and uh, maybe it's not as satisfying as as some fans would like, but I think it's one of those things that uh, is just a part of the game, and you gotta you gotta kind of roll with it and 
and uh, and kind of see what happens from there. Nathan, I always enjoy our talks. Have a good uh, rest of the summer here, and uh, good luck when training camp fires up. We'll be watching. I appreciate it. Yeah, anytime, Michael. Always, always appreciate talking to you. That is Nathan Rourke and the Jacksonville Jags. We'll be back with more of the sports cage from Curry Field after the 5 o'clock news for Nelson Holmes on 620 CKRM. Sports Talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. And away we go, the last hour of the show. Brought to you by Nelson Home, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. All our guests come to you via the Western Pete, the hotline. We're going to try to track down Farhan Lalji. Uh, we were supposed to have him on right away out of the news, but... Uh, have a little trouble connecting with our guests. I don't know if it's their problem or our problem. Nathan Rourke called us back. We'll try to get a hold of Farhan Lalji. Um, our text line powered by the Capital Auto Group, 936-6262. So, Zinger, we got to talk about this. I got this tweet at The Real Ballsy, and I encourage you to follow me at The Real Ballsy on Twitter. Maybe I'll follow you back. In fact, I probably will follow you back. Oh, you got Farhan? Okay, so... Uh, Zinger, we'll talk about this on the other side of our chat with Farhan Lalji. Farhan, uh, welcome to the show. Appreciate you uh, taking time out of your schedule. Um, first things first, my friend, the big topic of the Rouge came up. And mm-hmm. I'm I'm an advocate of the Rouge. I think it's what makes the game unique. Uh, if we want to, uh, you know, I had one guy say, hey, let's, uh, and I appreciate all the opinions of, uh, for anybody that follows me on the radio or on Twitter at The Real Ballsy, and Dean said, as a fan of 40-plus years, they can get rid of the Rouge and they can move the goalposts to the back line. Well, you already have that in the NFL. I think our league is great because you got to do something with the ball on every play, unless it's kicked out of bounds, and the goalpost at the front makes it more challenging. I turn it over to you. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree with you most for, for the most part. If I had, if I was commissioner for a day, I would eliminate the rouge on missed field goals in the last three minutes of a game, even in the last okay. one minute of a game. Um, okay. Like I, I hate the thought that the game is going to be decided on failure, right? And in that moment, it's not about the return. And I'm with you conceptually that for the rest of the game, that play, that possibility of a return is awesome. I love that you, you know, teams have got to strategize and have a short field goal team and a long field goal team with more coverage, you guys. And I think all of that is really good. But I think in the final minute, I wouldn't allow for that. And that's only on missed field goals. I don't tie that into what happened last night. You know, what I, happened uh, last night yeah. was a, a bit more of an abomination, like just in terms of pure competency, right? Like whether you want to blame the player or blame the coaching staff or whatever, like that just shouldn't happen. That lack of awareness, preparedness, um, I think it didn't do the game justice, right? This is a beautiful game. That wasn't an entertaining moment. Like, I mean, I'm sure if you're a Ryder fan, that was great. I just yeah. think that was incompetence. That was a laughable moment for the league last night. Didn't like it at all, but that's not tying into the Rouge in my estimation. I'm a fan of the Rouge. Yeah, and so I, I don't disagree. I don't discount what you're saying about the field goal. I think I would still keep it if it's a missed field goal, if it doesn't go out the end zone, because there's the element that the guy's got to get it out, right? Like, I don't mind. I, I, I that's that's I, I kind of buy what you're selling as long as the ball went out the end zone. I don't know. I don't agree with punting it out the back of the end zone, maybe. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm all for the rouge, though. I don't think you can have it this way and not that way. Um, but there's my next question. 
where does the blame lay? Does it lay at C.J. Sims? Does it lay at Mike Shepard or Chris Jones? I say it's more coach than player. That's got to be pounded home. Yeah, you know, I I, I agree. Uh, you know, and, and I did talk to the, the Edmonton folks today, and they tell me that he was told to bring the ball out. Now, was he told forcefully enough? Was that the last thing he heard? Like, I wasn't there. I don't know. I was just told that he was told to get yeah. the ball out. And so... You know, like, so for me, when that moment happens originally, I would say coaching more so than player, right? Um, But, uh, you know, I wasn't there to say, okay, well, he said it three times really loudly, ballsy, right? So that's tough, right? Like, context is tough. But uh, generally, in that situation, when that happened, my first set of blame went to the coach, not the player. You know, I... I, I just shake my head, and I'll talk to Zinger about this when you're done, but I want to get your opinion on this. Like, the Riders are 3-1. and one. Yes, they were 4-1 and one last year, but it was kind of a different 4-1, and one, if that makes sense. Like, they've shown resiliency. I know they can, they have, people will say, well, they only played Winnipeg if you're looking at the records. But just, I just have a better vibe about this team, and... I don't know. I, I I just feel like what are we complaining about right now? We're three and one. We've only won four Grey Cups in the team's history. They're decimated with injuries early, and they're finding ways to win. If Winnipeg wins that game, you're going to hear, "Oh, Winnipeg, they're good teams find a way to win." I just want your thoughts on the Riders as it sits right now, because I don't think Edmonton is that bad of a football team. I think Edmonton is that bad of a football team. I do. Okay. But um, I also, I'm like, look, if you're a Ryder fan and you're sitting here at three and one, what are you complaining about, right? Like, yeah, they're they're fortunate in both Edmonton games um, to a point, right? But I'll be mm-hmm. honest, like, I love what Trevor Harris is doing right now. And we talked about this before. I was nervous at the start of the year that the offensive line and the receiving core, as banged up as they are, like he's in a tough spot. I just had this conversation with Derek Taylor earlier today um, on the phone, um, and you know, we were talking about. Who's better, right? And when you look at uh, Vernon Adams, and I'm really big on what Vernon's done this year, uh, Vernon has got an exceptional offensive coordinator around him, and he's got arguably the best receiving core in the CFL around him, right? Arguably. Um, yeah. Look at what Trevor Harris is doing. And I'm a fan of Kelly Jeffrey, so let's, let's make sure that that's there. But Kelly is new at this at this level, right? So I fully was excited to see him get an opportunity because I'm a fan of him. And I'm uh, happy that he's doing well. I'm not surprised that he's doing well. But coming into the year, for most people that didn't know him, that was a question mark, right? So for him to have that many injuries around him, right? And even you know, even when when healthy, Key and Schaefer Baker aside, I don't know that there's a number one receiver there. For him to be dropping dimes and making the throws and putting up the numbers that he's done for the most part this season, I'm really impressed with with what they're doing offensively. And so, I, I, if you're a Saskatchewan fan. Given the expectations or lack thereof coming into this season, and you're upset at 3-1, wow. Yeah, that's crazy. You know what? Speaking of crazy, I think your buddy Derek Taylor's into the rum and eggnog a little early, and it's not Christmas because he said Vernon Adams is the sixth best quarterback in the CFL. Get out of here. He's the third best yeah. quarterback in the CFL. Give me a break. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Like I, I said, you could, I said we could we could debate Harris and Vernon, but based on what we just talked about, I would go Harris. But sixth is ridiculous at a time when quarterback play in the CFL is at an all time low, in my opinion. And mm-hmm. then you've got, you know, you look at Vernon Adams, and I I really believe he gets a bad rap because, you know, he's been around or available since 2015, but he hasn't played the amount of people think have thought he's played. So take out 2019. 
right, which was a high watermark for Vernon. Mm-hmm. And his time with the BC Lions prior to last week, his numbers have been exceptional, right? Seven and two, 69% completions, 11 and three touchdown to interception, over 100 on his passer rating. Like, he's been really good. So take that out. And he's still nine and five as a starter. And he, like, he's only played 14 games beyond those two stretches. And he's nine and five as a starter. And one of the losses, he played all of five plays. His last game as a starter in Montreal. So it, it hasn't been as bad as people seem to want to think. And, you know, even for a guy like Doug Brown, who I love, he's an SFU guy and I respect immensely, for him to say, well, those first three games were like a mirage. This is the real Vernon Adams. What are we talking about here? Why are we dismissing all the good this player has offered? So third, second, either way. Um, but I, I totally agree. I think Derek's crazy, which is why I called him to yell and scream at him. Cause that was nonsense. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, uh, uh, Farhan Lalji joining us here from TSN. A couple more minutes with him. So, really intrigued. What does Jeremiah Masoli look like? And uh, what are we going to see from Hamilton? That's going to be an interesting game. Yeah, I think we're going to see some rust from Jeremiah. I think he'll be good by the time it's all said and done. But it's been a year. And he's been concerned, right, to the point where we finally got to this point where he's finally able to play. I don't know that his leg is physically better than it was four weeks ago. But mentally, he's a little more confident. So, you know, that's kind of on a knife's edge, in, in my opinion. Like, I think he's going to play a little bit tentative, right? I just think that'll be natural. So, um, you know, and, and as far as Hamilton, wow. Like, you talk about a team that is banged yeah. up everywhere. Um, I don't know. I, I'm struggling to watch that. Like, next week's Hamilton-Edmonton game will be interesting because, like, if Edmonton loses that, they have BC Winnipeg coming up the next two weeks. Hamilton's got it tough after, like, Wow, you know, and Bo hasn't practiced yet, like he hasn't thrown yet, at, at, you know, at the facility or on his own. That hasn't happened yet. So it's still going to be a little bit. So I think there's huge questions. And think about Hamilton and how they went all in, Ballsy. Right? Like This is a team that everybody believes is heavily over the cap. Um, you know, losing Bo for the sixth week and actually keeping him on that long would actually help them a little bit. But... Um, yeah, like just w- when you look at the amount they've invested and the number of holes that still exist on their roster, makes you wonder, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Okay, we got Winnipeg and Calgary tonight. Um, I'm, gee, Bo, or I checked that. Dave Dickinson and John Huffnagel have never been wrong on a quarterback before, but could they be wrong this time with Jake Mayer? I know it's early. I know it's early. He's only made 15 starts or whatever it is, but he, since he signed that contract to me, he doesn't look like the guy they thought they were getting. Yeah, I want, I want more. I want more time, and I say that because when you look at this receiving core, and, you know, it's funny. It feels like everybody's injured on, on some level. Yeah, it's but, true. It's you know, true. To, to lose Malik Henry... Reggie Bagleton is not going to be close to 100% tonight, and Mark and Michelle is going to be like a CFL rookie all over again tonight. There's going to be major rust. Trey Odom's Dukes will probably be their best receiver today, right? And so, for me, there's no chemistry there right now between quarterback and receivers and quarterback and coach with receivers, like all of it. Like, we've seen Calgary struggle out of the gate the last couple of seasons, but then you knew by Labor Day they'd figure it out. I wonder. Like, I truly, truly wonder, Ballsy. But I, I don't lay it on the feet of Jake Mayer. I liked what I saw last year. I think he still needs to show me a little bit more in his deep ball accuracy. But if those receivers can get any kind of separation, they can get the ball out of his hands early, and he's better with the intermediate game, right? So, yeah. you know, right now he's just waiting for guys to get open, and they're not getting open, and he's got no comfort with his receivers. So until that happens... I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater on Jake Mayer. 
Well, Farhan Lalji, the media guy, might critique a win, but I know Farhan Lalji, the longtime amateur coach, would never criticize a win. Three and one, Saskatchewan. <laughs> never, buddy, never. Thanks for your time, man. Appreciate it. Take care. Take care. Enjoy. Yeah, yeah. And that is Farhan Lalji. When we come back, Zinger and I chop it up, and then we'll talk to Gary Bratzel, president of the Regina Red Sox. He just got off the golf course. We'll see if he got another hole in one. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Welcome back to Curry Field. Let's get these Regina Red Sox in the win column. They got whipped by Medicine Hat 11-5 and then roughed up a bit last night 10-4 by Okotoks. Got the uh, batting practice right now. 705 first pitch. Come on out here and check it out. Get your big Apple raffle tickets when you're here. Four days in New York. August 17th to the 21st, you got a Yankees Mets game, you got a Yankees Red Sox game, you got to go to Broadway and see Hamilton, presentation of Hamilton, hang out, and I think you get $2,000 US cash, if I'm not mistaken, and there's also a, uh, a buyout option if you just want the cash, $20, but here's the thing, when you buy the ticket, $13.50 goes to a game ticket, so it's actually just $6.50 for the Big Apple raffle ticket. All right, a Zinger joining me back at the studio here. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts on this. I don't understand why fans, and I respect their opinion, but I don't agree with it. We want to move the goalposts to the end zone. We want to get rid of the rouge. We want to, like, we already have that. It's called the NFL. I've said this all the time. The XFL, the USFL, they're fighting to be noticed, fighting to be unique. We already have that. Why do we, why do we have to change everything? I don't. I don't know. I the, the way it is right now in the Canadian Football League, I think, is the reason why there's still the Canadian Football League. It's two completely games. You have the Canadian rules. You have the American rules. You already mentioned the XFL. You already mentioned the USFL. Those leagues aren't going to last very long. The XFL, I mean, lost millions of dollars this year. It, I'm not and saying the US, it, and the USFL just got worse ratings than the XFL for their championship horrible games. ratings. So yeah. like, like come on, like I, I understand how maybe some people you know they want to see a, a a rule tinkered with here or there, but when it's all said and done, the Canadian Football League is the Canadian Football League because of a few reasons: the rules and the fans and. Th- and the the history that that the, the teams carry with them. If you want to tinker with one of those big three things, you're taken away from the foundation of what actually makes this league what it is. So you don't want to be doing that because if you if you do that, you're going to be left with the crumbs in the end. You won't be left with the product that we have right now. So you okay. just got to be careful. I'm going to ask you about two people in the CFL and get your hot takes on them, but I want to bring this up too. The Riders are three and one. Do you sometimes shake your head when some like I've been away from the Colin Show from a couple of, for a couple of years, but between the Colin Show and what I see in social media, we are three and one. Our starting center is out, and who know who knows how long he's going to be out for? Winicky's out, Lenius is out, um, uh, Keen Schaefer Baker's out. We have a, a, a rotation of tackles because of injuries or whatever. Um, and we win the game 12-11 when it looked like we were dead to rights. We come back, and people are some people are saying the coach should be fired. We're not going to win. Like, what is wrong with people? In a world of negativity, can we not just enjoy we're 3-1 and one and in first place? I am so mad my team is in first place. Yeah, I don't... I- 
I don't know where this is coming from from Ryder fans because I remember being like a I'm I'm gonna I'm talking like I'm an old person here, but I grew up in the '90s and I watched the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in 1999 finish three and fifteen. Like we got three wins in one whole season in 1999. Uh, I think Cal Murphy was our coach that year, and you know I would die to see the Riders win a game. I remember we won a game. Uh, I think about midway through the year, maybe it was the Labor Day game. I think it was the Labor Day game against Winnipeg. I was at the game, and at the time, we only had like two wins on the year. We were like two and seven, whatever. We won the game, and I remember leaving Taylor Field thinking, yes, it felt like my mini Grey Cup. We won a football game. And now you fast forward to 2023, like we're three and one, and we're in a position where we're tied at the top of the West Division here. And... It's like I would have died for that, you know, as a kid watching. So now I can't even relate to people being angry at a three and one record That's because why, it yeah, just like boggles Luke, my brains. Like Luke, Luke was uh, joking, man, is this boring? And I said right in the broadcast, six year old Michael Ball throwing the ball to himself, commentating in his head when he was in Indian Head on the front grass of his grandma and grandpa's house, would die to be in a broadcast yeah, booth when thing, it was yep. four or three riders losing to Edmonton by one point. Zinger. I'm not even listening to your pity party. I was, uh, I was a seven and an eight year old kid when Ron Lancaster was the coach, and they were two and fourteen and two and fourteen. They didn't make the playoffs for eleven years in a nine team league. That's statistically impossible. Yeah, no. impossible. That is so a, that is a tad bit worse because we the Riders did make the Grey Cup in '97, but after the '97 year, I yeah. think the five and thirteen followed by three and fifteen. That little yeah. that was a bad stretch there too. But it no, was nothing. a bad. It was a bad stretch. So let's, let's keep some perspective here, okay? Two quick comments. I want your comment on Andre Pruel. What do you think about him? Uh, I agree with your point earlier. He's been uh, he's gotten better the last couple of years when it comes to uh, him actually describing what he's talking about. Before he would just like spew out a couple words, and people would just like look at each other in the stadium, thinking like, "What was that?" Like he would turn on his mic and be like, "Tree." And that and that would be it. And people are like looking around, thinking like, "So yeah. what's the penalty of the year?" But no, he's he's stringing sentences together. And I'm not I'm not making fun of the guy. He's a Frenchman, and he's doing. I think he's the best ref in the Canadian Football League. And I don't even think it's close, to be honest with you. So I just think yeah. he gets a bad rep because of uh, for whatever reason, uh, you know, the sound. Yeah, back of his in voice. the day, you're, absolutely. And then lastly. Is Taylor Cornelius a starting quarterback in the CFL? Uh, oh, where do I go with Mr. Taylor Cornelius? When I think of Taylor Cornelius, I just think of uh, he's consistently inconsistent. So whenever a quarterback is consistently inconsistent, you know, mm, is he a starter? Probably, probably not. He's on the bubble of probably not being a starting quarterback. But at, at the same time, you look across the Canadian Football League, yeah. you look across the NFL, over half the quarterbacks are consistently inconsistent. So basically, he's in the pile of those type of quarterbacks that's on the back end of being a starter. Yeah, I agree. It's a sad commentary on what's going on with the starting quarterback because I don't think back in the day he's even close. Uh, but I think... Uh, 
he is serviceable, but they aren't going to win. I don't. He has all like the tools. They, like he has the yeah. he has he has a great arm. You know, he has uh, great capable, mobility. If you were a capable starter with 29 seconds left to go in that game, you would have found a way to get your team a. Uh, that's the that's the a, thing. A field goal. Boneheaded right? decisions here and there. Yeah, it's just yeah. uh, whatever. And I don't see where they got a win. They've got Hamilton. That might be a win. Then Winnipeg, BC, Winnipeg. They could be 0 and 9. And who's going? There'll be more fans that are no disrespect that are Regina Red. They Sox should play at Foot Field. Foot Field. They could. We're going to take a break. News, sports ticker, Gary Bratzel and Tony Khan at AEW to wrap the show up here on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Yeah, it's 5.33 with your sports ticker for Busy Bee Overhead. Busy Bee will repair or replace your residential or commercial garage door so you don't get stuck in or out. Catch the buzz, Busy Bee Doors, the garage door specialists. The Toronto Blue Jays taking on the Detroit Tigers right now. A big day for Alec Manoa. Manoa's first start in the majors since his uh, stint down in the minors. Not a rehab stint, just a... Get well stint. Get back on track. Manoa not doing so bad right now. Three innings pitched. He's given up four hits, given up one run, and uh, he has struck out four batters. It's 4-4 right now between the Blue Jays and Tigers in the top of the fourth. Let's round the bases. Time for today's Sports Cage Regina Red Sox report on the voice of Saskatchewan. 620 CKRM. In our Regina Red Sox report, we'll just bleed into our great interview with uh, Gary Bla- uh, Bratzel. Okay, so it's brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. You can go down there and watch uh, Major League Baseball last weekend set before the All-Star break. Uh, you got CFL football tonight, Calgary and Winnipeg. Tonight we got a, a great uh, baseball game down here, Red Sox and the Okotoks Dogs. Gary, uh, you weren't here because you were at the Ryder game. First, your comment on the Ryder game. When you saw that <laughs> ball go into the end zone, the, the, the kickoff, yeah. did you... Were you drinking at all? Well, I was yeah. slightly. The, yeah, but, but did you know what was going on? Could oh, you, yeah. And yeah. what were you thinking to yourself? Oh, yeah. Uh, the two guys beside me were, uh, <laughs> I just say, had one or two too many. Yeah. And they jumped up, and they started high-fiving everybody, and I was sitting there, and I was going, that's a single. And then everybody's holding up their their single digit on their finger, and yeah. we're all going, that's a single, that's a single. It was like, <laughs> oh, my God. That was such a boring game for 50, you almost get more, you six al- minutes. You, you know? almost get more uh, uh, more uh, uh, scoring out here at Regina Red yeah, Sox field, right? Yeah, for, well, I, I texted my buddy there. I think it was after the first quarter or something. Yeah. I mean, no dis- yeah. disrespect to the CFL. Yeah, yeah. They're all pro athletes. Is this one of those defensive yeah. games that yeah. I, I texted? And he goes, I said, are we at a soccer friendly? No <laughs> kidding. Because I think it was 4-3 or 3-2 or no, something. Yeah. No kidding. The yeah. Okotoks Dogs, unfortunately, almost scored as much as those two teams. 10-4. Oh, what did you? What did you? Uh, what did you? Uh, what did you uh, gather from this game that you weren't at uh, yesterday? Yeah, of course, I was sitting there at the football game following our game online, too. And it looked like uh, there was a couple errors got us. And, yeah. you know, good. Good ball teams like this at any level. If you if you're giving them you know walks and hit batters and mm-hmm. then you you boot one or there's a you know pass ball or something, you can almost guarantee there should be there's probably odds on it on bet whatever yeah. whatever that the odds are really good if you give someone one or two bases a game, yeah. you're not getting out of those jams. So um, 
Okotoks can draw a lot of guys, a lot of guys from the States because yep. of their facility, their proximity to Calgary and everything like that. So you can't compete with that per se. But like, how much does a facility help you get players in? Because these guys that, that I had on today, yep. um, Christos and uh, Daniel uh, Crabtree, yep. they both love the stadium. I said, it's dumping. He's like, it's, no, it's not dumping. <laughs> it's, it, we like it. But uh, yeah. how much does a stadium help you attract guys? Oh, I mean... Just look at the WCBL standings and see who the top three or four teams Oak are. Oak, Sylvan Lake. Sylvan Lake. I mean, yeah. once Edmonton gets back in next year with their yeah. new stadium, yeah. uh, it definitely helps in the recruiting. I mean, if you're a kid from anywhere and you get get a call from me or you get a call from Okotoks and you go on the website and look at yeah. their stadium facilities and, yeah, they draw 4,500 a game, I mean, where where would you go? Yeah. It's kind of a no-brainer. So how do you sell this to, to them to come here? Uh, you know, we just, you know, we try to treat everybody right. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I think I've talked to this about this before. Years ago, Rob Cherpustrick, when he was our manager, started the Red Sox way, we call it. And, mm-hmm. you know, our goal is to, when the kids leave at the end of the summer, we hope they're better ball players and we hope they're better people as well. So, mm-hmm. and... Like you said, you've had some of our players on. They love being here. Uh, we treat them well. And, yeah, that's all we can do. Hope yeah. they have fun this summer and come back next year. What kind of crowd do you think you get tonight? It's a beautiful night Jeez, out here. I love to hit triple digits today. Yeah. Get 1,000 in here. Yeah. We, we play next Tuesday, and then we're actually gone till July 23rd. So and that's why I'm here. come out tonight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we got a pretty big gap where we got some ugly road trips uh Go from the All-Star game to Brooks to Sylvan Lake to Fort McMurray, back to Sylvan Lake, and then back to Regina. So that's like five or six pretty tough tough days of travel. That's a big uh, that's a big chunk of change in terms of uh, finances. Oh too, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it adds up. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, no. those are six, seven. People don't realize like those are seven thousand, eight thousand dollar a day trips. Well, uh, not a, you know not for the whole trip. Fuel, like, inflation, uh, all that oh, stuff, yeah, right? Bus and food. You know, food and so. So there's a, there's a good rooms. question that we haven't talked about before. At least I haven't talked to you about that. You probably don't have the exact figures off the top of your head, but like this time last year, it was a lot cheaper to run a baseball team oh, in terms sure. of fuel. At like like percentage wise, how much has it gone up? Would you think? You know, just like any business, like you know, probably fifteen percent. Do you factor that in when you're doing your costs, or like if that's that's something otherworldly? Oh no, we, when we set our budget, we, yeah. Every year, we, we know the field rentals going up. Through, you know everything. Yeah. Yeah. You just add on five percent to every line item. And uh, I heard some city reps were out here, kind of looking at the fielders. Talk about maybe switching things up around here. Are you warming to that idea? I know we wanted it down by the rail yards, but are you warming to the idea that we could maybe get something different here and yeah, reconfigured there's, there's, here? There's some uh, concept drawings floating around that the city did up about. You know, potentially doing a renovation here, or, or possibly building new and flipping the diamond around the other direction. And yeah, I, I mean, we're open to anything. You know, just want to see something. Well, attendance decided so we can move forward. And attendance, when they look at the attendance, say, oh, hey, these guys are averaging eight hundred, nine hundred, a thousand above. We're above capacity. Hey, we yep. can do this, right? Yeah, exactly. And it's not just about the Red Sox; it's about baseball in Regina. Yeah, for sure. I mean. Saskatchewan doesn't have 
a single what I'd call class A ball diamond in the whole province. So you know we're we're a little behind mm-hmm. for sure. What about Saskatoon? Are they going to have a nice facility when they come back in the league, or are they putting money in? Well, that they're one? going back into Karen's, Karen's Field. field yeah. and there was a little money put into it. You know when they redid that Gordy Howe Park, there yeah. there was some changes made, and I understand the Priestner Group's going to throw some pri- some of their own money at it, fix up the concessions and whatnot. So yeah. they'll make it playable. So come here and watch the game, 705 first pitch. Get your Big Apple raffle tickets. We were talking about that. Four nights in New York, 17th to the 21st in August. Yankees, Mets, Yankees, Red Sox. we got the Broadway show, Hamilton. you got a $2,000 U.S. cash, or you can have a cash payout. And here's the thing. When you buy it, 1350 acts as a game ticket. And then six fifty goes towards the Big Apple raffle ticket. Thanks for your time. Yeah, thanks for Appreciate having it. me on. Yeah, Appreciate it's awesome. It. All right, yeah. we're going to take a break. Be back to wrap things up with Tony Khan of AEW Wrestling here on the Sports Cage on six twenty CKRM.